mindfulness mode. Your breath is always with you. Your choice is always with you around food. Well, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to Mindfulness Mode. It's great to have you here. Have you been working on your goals for the year? Have you set intentions? Have you set New Year's resolutions? Well, if you're anything like me, some of those New Year's resolutions might have something to do with weight loss, being healthy, being careful about what you eat. And today I've got a guest on who is going to help us look at this in a different way, in a much more whimsical way, a lighthearted way. And I know that because I have her book, which is absolutely excellent. And it looks like this. And the book is called, Why Am I Eating This? And uh, I have asked myself that question many times because, you know, it's come to my attention over the last year or so that I do quite a bit of emotional eating. And it's really good to be able to determine which eating you're doing that is emotional and which is really truly nutritious for the purpose of serving your health. So I'm really looking forward to talking to my guest. She's worked in the corporate and healthcare space for 25 years as a manager, leader, educator of wellness and obesity programs. And she's a certified medical intuitive, a certified healing touch practitioner. So she has a lot of training in these different areas. She seems like an absolutely ideal guest for mindfulness mode right now at this time of year in 2024. So I'm welcoming Sandy. Sandy Robertson. Sandy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. It's my pleasure. It really is. And as soon as I saw this book, I thought, hey, this book is different. This is a different approach. And it's, for one thing, the book is very, very thin. So you think, okay, I can read through this book quickly, but it's very inviting. It's not one of these books where you think, oh my gosh, am I going to have to study this until I have a degree in the art of eating? (laughs) It's not like that at all. It's just fun. It's just really an enjoyable read. But Sandy, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness, Bruce, means having tools in every moment to quiet my mind, quiet my body, and most of all, shift perspectives. So wherever I am, I always have my breath and I always have the ability to stop, take a breath, re-choose, whether it's re-choose a thought, an action, something I'm about to say to someone. And that's where I start. And there's so many other mindfulness tools, of course, uh, bringing quiet amazement, gratitude and appreciation into as many moments as I can. And then, of course, applying it to eating, which is what the book's about, but just that um, awareness that I have the ability to stop and pause and shift is really what mindfulness means to me. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And like I said earlier, thank you for writing this book, because it really is a way that people can look at eating in a differently, you know, not fad diets and quick fixes. It's a way to just look at your overall outlook about food. And so what prompted you to write this book? Pretzels. (laughs) (laughs) One one afternoon, many years ago, around 4pm, I was at a friend's house and I said, you know, I think I'd like a snack and 
she pointed to some pretzels and I started eating them and I just kept eating them mindlessly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Bruce, I had literally a light bulb moment, which is why there's a light bulb on the book. It's like, wait a minute, why am I eating this? Why am I just <laughs> continuing to eat the bag of pretzels? I wasn't upset. I was happy with a really good friend. So that's when I had the light bulb moment of, wait a minute, stop. You know, why am I eating this? And then as you pointed out in the intro, I've done a lot with corporate wellness programs, hospital obesity programs, many corporations, New York City, California, Florida. And I've heard thousands of stories from people who know what to eat. They even know how much they should eat, what kinds of foods. And for many people, it's the mindless eating Yeah, that just takes them into places that they'd rather not go. And so I started with that theme and then I have had as a holistic nurse and registered nurse uh, training in mindfulness, guided imagery, the mind-body connection and psychoneuroimmunology. And I thought, wait a minute, I wanna combine all this wisdom for people and make it, as you said, simple and fun and whimsical, yet with some good evidence, the science, what the science is saying about the power of the mind-body connection when people tune in and look at it in a different way. Well, your book is just a breath of fresh air. You know, when it comes to when it comes to thinking about, hey, my my diet, my nutrition, what's going on? Why can't I lose weight? Well, read this book and you won't feel a pressure, you won't feel guilty. You'll just think, oh, this, this is easier than I thought. This is more straightforward. But I want to ask you about your training as a certified medical intuitive. How has that helped you in this area of weight loss, Sandy? Well, for clients who are ready, and I'm also an energy healer, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and some clients start with energy healing. Some are interested in a qualified, certified person taking a look at their energy system. And I also do an intake and hear what's going on with them. And for many people, actually, and and what they share is that their energy system may be perhaps not just stressed, but perhaps a little out of balance. And how that manifests or can manifest for people is overeating and also perhaps things being off with their gut, gut microbiome. And there's been a lot, which I think is wonderful in the media lately, about the gut-brain connection. Yeah, there has. And I've been reminded recently that the gut-brain connection is bi-directional, two directions. So what we eat, quality of the food we eat can affect our brain chemistry, how we're feeling and thinking. And likewise, if we're upset, depressed, perhaps some things going on in our head, that can uh, conversely affect the gut. So just some simple information like that. And I find with most of my clients, even if they're very aware of nutrition, they're interested in fine tuning Mm -hmm. their own gut and their gut brain connection, even if they might not label it like that. They're aware that things just seem a little off in how they're feeling and they're trying to get to the bottom of it, along with their doctors and medical testing. So I work closely with doctors and their health practitioners. And just looking at it from an energetic point of view is another tool is how I see it. Sure. Sandy, can you tell us a story about a, a person you have worked with that you have really helped them to transform to a different place? I'd be happy to. Happy to. One client owns a business and has been 
very stressed for many months, especially since COVID, it's affected her business. And the combination of hearing her history and how she approaches moment to moment, it was clear actually that her self-talk was very negative and critical. This was affecting her eating habits, her exercise habits, her sleep. That's the other thing. It's, it's kind of a ripple effect when we're under stress, as yeah. I'm sure you know. Yeah. So reminding her of some basic mind, body, spirit, and energetic self-care tools, which is what I talk about in my book. You know, the subtitle is, is this the nourishment I need? So yes, food is one form of nourishment. Positive self-talk, cognitive restructuring, which psychologists use, is another form of nourishment. Body, exercise, movement, breathing, another. And then energy, we're all made up of energy and an energy system and keeping our energy systems fine-tuned and balancing and clearing them in whatever way we can, whether it's acupuncture, body work, energy healing, or self energy clearing. So I reminded her of these tools and worked with her to set goals of how she could incorporate mind, body, spirit, and energetic self-care into her daily routine. And the result was she's lost weight, she's sleeping better, more than anything, she's happier and is reminded that she's empowered mm -hmm. to quiet her mind and body and energy system in every moment. She has the tools. And she'll text me and say, thank you so much. You know, the, the positive self-talk or quieting my mind and body, having a mindful moment is really helping. Wow, that's fantastic. Sandy, there's so much talk these days about trauma and how, you know, people have experienced trauma in one way or another. And that, of course, therefore affects how they're eating and the health of their body. What are your comments on this topic? I feel it's, it's a worthy and important topic, Bruce. And what, from what I've seen in my practice as a nurse, most human beings have had some kind of, even if it's slight emotional trauma mm -hmm. as a child. And there are degrees, of course, from not too bad to very extreme. We hold trauma in our bodies. Yes. And also th through counseling and talking to thousands of clients, many people bring up well, I learned this as a child. It was very stressful in my home. My parents fought or my parents drank or perhaps my parents, sometimes they say, hit each other. And so the, that emotional upset in the home was one thing that caused them to turn to food to self-soothe. So I can say I turned to food to self-soothe as a child because of some upset mm -hmm. in my home. and. Father degrees, you know, it wasn't that bad, but there was an extended family, many people living there and who didn't get along. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of fighting and loud voices, I'll say. Yeah. That created, actually, as a child, I was overweight and turning to food to self-soothe. So that's another reason I want to, pr to present this information about mind, body, spirit, and energetic self-care, and also referring people to mental health professionals when appropriate, to get underneath. If someone has tried every diet in the world uh, and has had tested for their endocrine system and things seem okay, perhaps it is an issue with trauma that a good mental health professional and learning, you know, having tools in their toolbox like mindfulness, guided imagery, 
other, you know, body work can help them bring it all together for the ultimate self-care. That's another goal of the book, right. really empowering people to their optimal self-care, whatever that looks like for them, and optimal nourishment, which may and, and can for many people include mental health, a good mental health professional. Right. Well, as I mentioned already, I like the fun and lighthearted way that you present the topic. And I'm Thank looking you. at a picture of a, a person and she's standing there and she's thinking, fun, junk food or healthy options. I'm just wondering, uh, was it easy to find someone to do the 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 images, the diagrams, the cover, or was that just, did that just sort of fall into place easily? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, the first edition, <clears throat> excuse me, which I published in 2009, a colleague worked with a cartoonist because I did want it to be whimsical. And I had this image of, you know, a woman in light bulb moment. Yes. So that was my idea. And that cartoonist did a great job in the first edition. Uh, this edition, actually, a colleague's daughter is an illustrator, and I said I just wanted to update them a bit with some of the new themes in the second edition, and she did she did a great job, and we also worked together. Her name's Gabrielle Balls. Okay. And uh, so I give her give her a lot of credit for the images. Right. Like the fun is this fun food versus junk food, or nourishing food versus fun food. Labeling it sometimes gives us permission. And it's okay to eat fun food for entertainment yeah, now and then. For sure. So after you finished the book and got it published and out there, was there anything you figured that you just should have included and you didn't? Any any uh, remorse about that? That's a really interesting question, Bruce. I would, when I do some updates, like to include more about the energy system. It's interesting because I deliberately stopped. I didn't want to get way too into energy healing because I wanted it to be about nourishment mm -hmm. and a doorway in, an easy doorway in for people around the concept of mind, body, spirit, energetic self-care. But since I am an energy healer and do work, you know, just taking a look now and then with permission with people's energy systems, I think there's a lot more to say about some simple tools that everyone can use every day for self-care. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, thank you for asking that. So, so I want to zero in on your healing touch work that you do. So, can you tell us what it's like if a person comes to you and works with you, and what some of the sessions would be specifically like? Sure, people come for healing touch, which is certified by a nursing organization, Healing Beyond Borders. So, I'm certified in healing touch. It's very similar to Reiki. Mm -hmm. Some people have never heard of healing touch, there are other therapeutic touch, you know, ways to, to offer energy healing. So just for a little background, I did a lecture for some doctors. Through the centuries in almost every culture, bringing energy down from the universe through the hands has been passed down through the centuries in many cultures. So Japan for Reiki, but China, Egypt, Greece. And I love that, that it's thousands of years old, similar to acupuncture. And it's, again, bringing that energy in, mm -hmm. and it can be off the body or on the body. People can choose. And it's a combination of clearing someone's energy system, helping to clear. We're all bombarded by energy all the time. And some people say, well, is this bad energy? And I say, it's not bad energy, 
it's not good energy necessarily. It just might be energy that's not yours. So if we're in airports or crowded stores or malls or office buildings or around toxic chemicals, again, that can affect our energy system. So it's just that it's not ours. It's not our optimal energy. Right. So when someone comes, I do an intake, a brief intake about their physical, emotional, spiritual wellness. How are things going? Medications they're on. Uh, generally, they lie on a table, fully clothed, by the way. Mm-hmm. And with, again, this is all with their permission. First, just scanning the body above to see how it feels doing some clearing of their energy system. And then there are tools and techniques to connect the energy centers of the body. And then some processes to focus on if someone's shoulder hurts or they have a headache or a foot, et cetera, to focus on those areas. There are a lot of tools. And I also teach energetic self-care in the sessions because similar to mudras, offering ourselves compassionate, intentional touch is very powerful. So yes, it's powerful from a massage therapist or a certified healer or therapist. But think about it. When we have a headache, Mm -hmm. we intuitively put our hands on our head. Yes. So I always offer clients, again, one or two minutes, not because you have a headache, but say you're at work and really stressed, you know, going to a restroom or a quiet spot Mm -hmm. and taking a few breaths and offering yourself quiet, intentional, compassionate touch or the area that hurts or just for a reset with some breaths is very powerful. So I love reminding people of the the power in their own energy system and the information, some simple ways to clear it and nurture it. I think it's something that we all can use and benefit. Yeah, I think so too. That's, That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes, happy to. I know there's a lot more there's a lot more awareness I think about the fact that there is such an obesity problem in the world. That seems to be true that there's this awareness, but I don't know whether we're really getting anywhere with it. But there are TV shows, I think there was one about was it called The Greatest Loser or The Biggest Loser or something? Biggest Loser. What do you think about these kinds of ways to approach this obesity problem? Is this a good thing? Well, in the process of writing my book, Bruce, I've done a lot of research, especially about people who gain weight back when they've lost it. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some articles that actually mention programs or TV shows like that. And that's extreme, and it's also a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, the people in extreme programs do lose weight. But there's a high uh, rate of gaining it back within six months. Now, there's been a lot in the media lately about weight loss drugs and everyone's brain chemistry is different and the hormones in the brain and the pituitary, how it affects the pancreas, et cetera. So I want to be cautious here. You know, I'm not a doctor. I am an advanced practice nurse. Just saying that everyone's brain chemistry is different. And there's also information about someone's set point that their body is used to it for many years. And again, it may, part of it might be the hormones and brain chemistry. So my basic guidance to everyone is energy in equals energy out. To lose weight, we have to eat less calories. And of course, exercise helps us burn fuel. Yeah. And 
everyone, especially if they're obese, should work with a doctor, an expert in weight management, and to think about the long term. What's their long term strategy for the amount of calories that will work for them, for their body chemistry, and the amount of exercise? So I can't speak to the people in the show. I just know from the thousands of people I've counseled, when people gain weight back, the answer is always the same. I stopped paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I love that, back to mindful eating. Yeah. The reason people generally lose weight on their own, say, is they're cutting back on their calories, they're increasing their exercise, they become much more mindful and aware of the amount of food they're eating, the type of food, the speed they're eating. A lot of people realize I eat too fast. Yeah. So they slow down, become more mindful, present, chew, savor, put utensils down in between bites. They exercise. It's it's a mind, body, spirit, you know, treatment, self-care program. They lose weight. And again, 99% of the people I've counseled have gained it all back. Say, I under, I know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped paying attention right. to the amount of food and or I started mindlessly eating again. Yeah. What are your thoughts on intermittent fasting, Sandy? I think for some people it's great, Bruce. I did include a little chapter on that in my book. For some people, it works. Again, everyone's physiology is different, especially if someone's diabetic or pre-diabetic. That might not work. They need medication. But for some people to wait until 11 or 12 p.m., and they've had their last meal, say, 6 or 7 p.m. the night before, mm -hmm. that works. I know a lot. I have a lot of friends and colleagues that's worked for. Other people eating a small amount every few hours. You know, sometimes people call that grazers. Yes. That works better, even if it's five almonds when they wake up and sure. five almonds a few hours later. It's like that. Yeah. Could you share some elements of your seven-point plan that you outline? Yes, I'd be happy to. So I talk, of course, about mindfulness and being aware of the food and savoring and tasting and chewing and looking at the clock, Bruce. As I said, so many clients say... I'm eating too fast. Yeah. So paying attention is such a big part of my book and incorporating mindful eating into that. Again, chewing, savoring, tasting. Self-talk. That's another element of really paying attention to what am I saying to myself as I choose food, as I put it on my plate, especially the portion sizes. So many clients say, I realize I'm eating too much. Mm -hmm. I'm, reading, I'm eating healthy food, but too much. So positive self-talk can be a combination of things. It could be, is this the right food for me right now? Is this fuel? Am I thirsty? Uh, do I need to sleep? What, what elements would be good fuel for me? And how much, how much nourishment do I really need right now? So that can all be self-talk. Another great aspect of self-talk can be stop. <laughs> uh, yes. So it's okay. People forget that they have the power when they're eating to just say stop. <laughs> Even if there's food on the plate. Yes. Okay, it's great. Wrap it up. To, you know, Put it in the refrigerator for tomorrow or if you're at a restaurant, bring it home for yeah. a few more meals. So I love just reminding people, you have the power to say stop. <laughs> also, 
uncovering the mystery of your eating history. For many people looking back as a child, how did you grow up? What was the atmosphere in the house in terms of possibly using food to self-soothe? Or every day is an occasion to eat and overeat. It doesn't mean it was wrong, you know, that our parents, grandparents brought us food with love. Yes. But, okay, now in the year 2024, <laughs> what's the best way for me to eat? And then celebrate on special occasions with food. Yeah. Uh, gratitude. It's part of mindful eating, but I weave that in a lot, Bruce, because gratitude can help slow down the process of choosing food, the amount, how fast we're eating, you know, gratitude. And also being able to say, this is enough. Yeah. I'm so thankful for this food and this is enough. So weaving gratitude in and weaving gratitude in throughout the day. A lot of times we're overeating, which I talk about in the book, there's that saying, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt. Mm -hmm. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? And with compassion, possibly re-choosing. Yeah. And gratitude can help us shift to a different space. Yeah. The new material is really helping people zero in. Am I seeking fuel? Mm -hmm. Or do I need another form of self-care? Do I need to sleep more? A lot of my clients say, I'm exhausted. I don't get enough sleep. People generally overeat when they're tired. So am I thirsty? Sometimes we overeat when really yeah. we're thirsty or dehydrated. Yeah. So how about some water? I found that made a big difference for me to just drink more water. If I feel hungry, yes. drink water instead. And then like, oh, I feel much better now. And I, that made yes. a really, really big difference. How much yes. water do you recommend a person to drink per day? Well, they say at least uh, eight glasses, yeah. you know, eight, eight ounce glasses, unless there's a medical reason to sure. restrict water. Some sure. people, you know, walk around with gallon jugs <laughs> yes. and drink a lot more. Yes. So I'd say depending on your age and your medical condition, but they, you know, the basics that I've heard is yeah. eight glasses a day. And hydration is really important for us. It's also for, important for our brain. And that's another common theme I hear. People are tired and they drink a lot of coffee and they're probably dehydrated. And yeah. So drinking water helps a lot. So really looking at food as nourishment and being able to ask that neutral question, how much is enough? Yeah. And then mind, body, spirit, energetic self-care is one of the final steps. That's nourishment too. Again, sleep is nourishment, water. So those are the steps as I take people through looking at food, our eating history, mindful eating, food as fuel. Premier athletes look at food as fuel. They wouldn't fill up on junk food all day long no. because they know they're not going to win races or tournaments. So I love that so many people are fine-tuning their nutrition and it's a personalized journey, and that's actually one message I wanted to get across to your listeners, that there's so much in the media about this diet trend and that diet trend, and you should eat this and eat this vitamin. It's personalized for everyone. Mm -hmm. Have a talk with your doctor, a certified registered dietitian, about what nutrients are needed and best for you at this time of your life, different phases of life. We all need different levels of protein, carbs, fats, etc. Yeah, so, so true. it's a personalized journey, and 
embrace it as the ultimate form of self-care. Yeah. Yeah, I I really appreciate your words because, you know, it's also true and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be, you know, a three inch thick book that we read to understand how to eat. It really doesn't. But I want to move forward in the interview and ask you a question about bullying because I've I worked in this area for a long time and I always ask my guests about this. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference, Sandy? The story that comes to mind is actually one that I experienced, Bruce, as a child. And when I was growing up, the word bullying wasn't used as much as it is today. And I can say with all the love in the world, uh, my mother's in heaven now, but at times my mother could be a bully. Mm -hmm. And I feel mindfulness would have helped me a lot. It also would have helped her. So I love that mindfulness, mindful self-compassion is being woven into school curriculums, even elementary schools. And back to the power and mindfulness of stopping and pausing and reset instead of going into react. Right. So again, I know it's in the news, the media, it's very sad and, and sometimes tragic, the end result of bullying. So I do feel strongly that embedding tools of quieting the mind and body and stopping and taking a breath and resetting are good for people of all ages, every culture, wherever you live. Yeah, for sure. It can't help but to just quiet the atmosphere and cool things down and then re-choose. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. As we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. First one is this, who is one person that has been a powerful influence, a powerful mindfulness influence for you and your life, Sandy? Well, I've had had many wonderful mindfulness teachers. Mm -hmm. I will say I've taken the mindful self-compassion training with Kristen Neff a few times And I think what she and also Chris Germer uh, from Harvard have brought to the field of mindfulness with mindful self-compassion and reminding, bringing in tools of love and kindness are very powerful and a gift. Yeah. My second question is about emotions. How has mindfulness helped you to deal with your emotions differently? It's giving me tools to reset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know I keep mentioning that, but... Instead of going from zero to 100, it helps shift in the moment, re-choose and reset, take a breath. Yeah. My next question is about breathing. Do you have any thoughts or advice on breathing? I will share a quote. Uh, Joan Borisenko, who's written many wonderful books, met her at a conference many years ago. And she talks about the breath is always with you. And I love to remind my clients and colleagues and also myself, my breath is always with me wherever I go to take a breath, to re-choose, to clear. And it's a powerful reminder of how powerful our breath is (laughs) to guide us and comfort us and aerate our lungs and our brain. Well, I, like I've already said, really appreciate your book, Sandy. Why am I eating this? So Mindful Tribe, check it out. Order this book. It's such a quick, fun, and easy read. But do you have any other books you would recommend, Sandy? Uh, I actually have two. Uh, A dear colleague, 
uh, Greg Serpa, PhD, and Dr. Christiane Wolf, PhD, wrote a clinician's guide to teaching mindfulness. J. Greg Serpa, S-E-R-P-A, and Christiane Wolf, M.D. And I also love one from many years ago, John Kabat-Zinn's "Wherever You Go, There You Are." Just love the title, even yeah. and and all that his wonderful tools, and of course what he brought to the world of mindfulness, you know, with MBSR. So I love both the books. Right. Thank you. Are there any apps that you could recommend, maybe in this area of weight loss or otherwise? Uh, actually, Bella with Napperstack, PhD, and Health Journeys has a lot of great guided imagery meditations, and there's some on weight loss. I love her work. I also love Calm and Insight Timer. Yeah. And back to it's a personalized journey. Some people like music, some people like words. I feel guided imagery can be very helpful for people. And some people just are so tuned into mindfulness already, they don't need words, just perhaps some music or gongs or chimes mm -hmm. are nourishing and supportive for them. Sandy, thank you so much for all the work you do to help people with these issues. And as we wrap up the interview, are there any final words of advice that you could share with us? Your breath is always with you. Your choice is always with you around food. And use your self-talk in a whimsical way to nourish and empower yourself to change your relationship with food. You can do it. <laughs> Thank you for such an encouraging thought and such an upbeat interview. Sandy, have a great rest of your day, and thanks for being on Mindfulness Mode. Thank you, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All the best. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me again today. I'm currently on a book writing retreat, and I'm so excited to get this book finished and get it released and I'll be telling you all about it on upcoming episodes so with that you know if you would leave a review on the podcast or send me an email bruce at mindfulnessmode.com telling me what you liked about this episode I'd love to hear from you and with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode